Welcome to Apollo Swattered. This is your host, Travis Michael Fleming, and I am not with Pete Weiner. I know that I told you that I would be with Pete this week, but after talking with our amazing editor, Kevin O'Brien, we felt that it was better to move Pete back. We actually wanted to sum up the year a bit and give you a brief update on our uh, our giving campaign for the end of 2023. And to let you know, we started off with $53,000 that we were trying to raise in the middle of all this. And by God's grace, I mean, we haven't hit that goal yet, but we have $25,415 remaining. And if you are one of our watering partners, thank you so much for being a partner with us this year. But if you are not, now is the time to sign up. And I have an incentive for you. Uh, Kevin and I are going to talk about this in a little bit, but we're going to be beta testing our Apollos Academy in the first quarter. We're going to launch our first course. Uh, we'll let you know as soon as we get all of the pieces together, but it will be in this first quarter. And we know that it's going to be, or our hope is, is that this is going to be the feature part of Apollos Watered going forward, besides this awesome show. And... We want to be able to help equip you where you're at. Now, these courses cost money. And if you want to take the course, just take the course at your own speed. It'll be $100. If you take it with me personally, we're going to try to do it on Monday evenings. Again, when we get more of a nailed down date, we'll let you know that so you can follow along. It'll be about $150. However, if you give $1,000 or more, all right, here we go. $1,000 or more. Or if you sign up to be one of our monthly watering partners at $100 a month, you get this first course free. And then every other course that we offer after that, you'll get 50% off. So that is a screaming deal. And we want to be able to have you partner with us with what God is doing. Actually, not what, what we're doing, what God is doing as he's continuing to grow people to help them in their walk with Jesus so that the church might be revitalized and that God's name might receive glory. So check out the details in these show notes and make you donate right away. Cut off there. Okay, we're back. Sorry, my uh, short somewhere in my computer, but we're back. And that's why I wanted to welcome as we talk about the end of the year of 2023, we have Kevin O'Brien. In studio, you've heard his name, you've heard him every once in a while, he comes out like the groundhog to tell us if it's spring, but Kevin O'Brien is here with me. Hey, Kevin, how are you? I am doing well. It's not spring yet, but it no. almost feels like that, even here in Chicago. It's been wild. It's been fairly warm. I'm actually excited about that because I'm going to be there soon as my daughter is getting married in Chicago, and we were pretty excited that we don't have to pack snow boots. So yeah, well, as long as you don't bring craziness with you, that's fine. Um, we always bring a little craziness. Well, there is that. <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm I'm thinking that that um, you guys with all of the stuff going on, I'm surprised that your head's on halfway straight right now. Yeah, Christmas and then trying to get my daughter's wedding all together is just absolutely insane. Plus, you know, we're doing the end of the year giving campaign. I'm amazed at how God has showed up in the last just a couple of weeks. We've had over, you know, again, over $20,000 just come in in the last week. And God is clearly doing a work that's here and we're excited to be a part of that. We're excited to show and share that with other people. Um, and it's always good though to reflect, you know, as we look back over the year, we want to give thanks to God for everything that he's done and that he continues to do as more and more people find our ministry and they're being, having their faith watered so that they can in turn water their world. 
you know, the scripture says that we're to have this discipline of remembrance, to reflect on what he's done over this past year. And I thought it would be good because I've seen so many other people talk about their favorite books. Well, I want to talk about our favorite books of the year, and I want to talk about our favorite episodes of the year, if that's cool with you. So I want to hear, I've got, I've got a 10 list. I don't know what you have, but I've got a top 10 for books. Uh, and I've got, I think, a top five for episodes. Okay. So, I'll be interested I, to hear what what yours are. Oh, well, then, okay, then. Well, we'll have to see here. So I want to hear, though, from you, what is your, uh, your, your first of your top 10 books? Well, you know, I didn't do a typical top 10 um, this year. I was thinking a lot as I was thinking about this coming on and... On the one hand, I feel like I wasn't as good on keeping up with all the books from all the interviews uh, we did this year. There are a few that stuck out to me, one or two that I finished the whole thing, a couple that I dipped into. But this year, um, I spent a lot of time reading books outside of what we do. I've spent a lot of time reading commentaries on uh, Ephesians, especially this year, and Jude. And I found myself looking at those and and thinking and really appreciating sort of the the depth of knowledge and work that has gone into those and so it wasn't a typical year for me but those commentaries especially on Ephesians um and I'm working through about 6 or 7 of them right now for Daniel for an upcoming preaching series that I would say is my first um like in lieu of of number 10 <laughs> okay <laughs> So a bunch of commentaries for your number 10. <laughs> well, I don't, like I said, I don't have a top 10 because it okay. didn't quite work that way. Okay. What else do you have then? Give me, just give me your books. So there were a few that a few of our, our guests this year that I didn't get all of them done, but I really appreciated. And they are, I, I have been creating my list already for these, are the books I'm, I'm reading, uh, the, in this coming year. Um, and going way back to the beginning of, of this year, um, Hannah Nation edited, uh, the book Faithful Disobedience mm-hmm. with Wang Yi. And that is a book about the Chinese church and some of his writings. And I haven't gotten to all his writings yet. That's the part that, frankly, I'm really interested in because several of our guests over the year really convicted me on learning from the global church, not just from a practice or what they've had to endure, although that's a huge part of it, obviously, but what I can learn from them on how they understand scripture, on how they understand theology. And those that's a, a thing that I really want to spend some time on this year. Mm. So that was that was one big one that uh from a, a book standpoint. And then there are three other books that kind of rose to the top for me. Andrew Wilson's book, 1776. It is one that, again, I haven't finished, but I've gotten partway through it. And I just really appreciate sort of the pastoral heart mm-hmm. moving into history and why we are the way we are. I think it's really important. And I've listened to Andrew in various contexts for several years, and I really appreciate his pastoral heart and wanting to 
think well about how we interact with the world we live in. So that was one that really hit me. Uh, similarly, uh, Christopher Watkins' book, uh, Biblical Critical Theory, has won all kinds of awards, end of the year awards. I think it was Christianity Today's book of the year this year. I think what he is attempting to do in that book is quite remarkable. And I, I listened to a podcast other than ours, um, believe it or not, no. I do that once in a while, um, where they interviewed him. And it was really interesting because academics tended to be slightly more critical of the book, but pastors, as a rule, were very much in favor of it because it helped them where they were at. And I found that fascinating. So I, I want to get back into it again. I've read parts of it and really appreciated what I did read, but I want to read, I want to get back into it and read it from those two lenses of, okay, are there issues with the the project, but how is it helpful? And because I think what, it, like I said, what he's trying to do is really important. And then the one that has really kind of grabbed a hold of me, and it wasn't that there was a lot of new stuff in it, but it was all in one place. And that was Russell Moore's book, Losing Our Religion, because that's a book to us as evangelical Christians from sort of the ultimate insider. And not only the stuff that he dealt with, but personally, but how we are perceived in the wider world and why we're perceived that way and how we've lost credibility. We've lost the right to be heard in some cases. Mm -hmm. And, and that really, I find that convicting and it makes me stop to think, okay, so what do we need to do different? What do I need to do different as a believer, not jettisoning my beliefs in the public sphere, but, but how do I live them out better? And I think it's going to be crucially important in this coming year for us to be thinking that way because we get a huge election coming up in the United States. And we saw what happened the last time around with division and strife and, and frankly, uh, lots of severed relationships. And as the body of Christ, I'm increasingly convicted. We have to do better in how we live out our faith. And so those are some, those are some of the ones that are sort of top of mind for me. And, mm. and I say that, and I was going back through all of the episodes that we did and there's all kinds of other ones yeah. in there that I could list, but those are the ones yeah. that are at the top. You know, I was thinking kind of more top five, but. No, I understand that. It's so hard to choose because there's so many different books that we've, we've interacted with. And for me, it's so hard when you do a list like this, because of course you leave somebody out. And when you talk about the book, you're like, no, that could, that could have been in there. And but you, you got to make, you know, you got to draw the line somewhere. Mm -hmm. So for me, I really liked number 10 for me. So I do have a top 10. Uh, but I had Bully Pulpit yeah. with Michael Kruger just because the spiritual abuse thing and how you can handle that practically in a church. I thought that yeah. was good. And it really was tied into kind of the Russell Moore losing our religion. Of course, they came out at different times, but they had a lot of similar pieces to it that you lose credibility if you don't address these things. And yeah. we need to address them. So the other one that number nine for me was a strange one. And perhaps this is where I'm at, but it was the wolf in their pockets. 
by Chris Martin. He was by far our uh, youngest, I think. Um, yeah. Interviewee. I mean, we might have had a few other guests that were around that age. I'm trying to think, but it was so practical with where, with where people are at today with their phones and how yeah. it's forming us. So I, I enjoy that. I personally got a ton out of number eight on my list, The Shape of History by Scott Sunquist. Oh, yeah, Gordon, yeah. Gordon Conwell. I really loved that because, you know, we, we think in story and to get some of this picture of how God has worked through the church historically, good and bad, and uh-huh. where we're at today uh, was really an eye-opener for me. Number seven was yours, the Losing Our Religion with Russell Moore. I think you've already stated that one and why it was important. Uh, another one I had, and again, these aren't all of the books that uh, that I have on my list, were stuff that I read, not necessarily that it was published in sure. 2023. So uh, The Church and Its Vocation, Mike Goheen, I thought with where we are and yeah. what we're doing, I thought Mike has just been a huge voice of reason and clarity in evangelicalism as a whole, especially in regards to the future of evangelicalism. And I've really appreciated his voice. I like the book. Um, Becoming a Missionary Church is the other one on there, but I'm not through with that one yet. So I Yeah, can't. well, he was definitely on my list of sort of um, episodes yeah. of interviews. Um, yeah. Top, top five. Yeah, top six. Just he's such an insightful guy. And I appreciated it. Then number five on my list was a book that I've actually recommended to other people and they they purchased it because he put it in novel form. And that was Jeff Christopherson's Once You See. Yeah, that um, was a fascinating conversation. I really appreciated that. I have I do not have the book. And so it's been like on my list of the books you need to get. <laughs> of course, that list never gets shorter. No, it never does. Never does. You know, through what is it Solomon says, you know, with the studying wearies the body and, and the writing of books, there is no end. So it's like <laughs> yeah. the reading of books. There is no. Yeah, end. Yeah, I wonder what but, he would think of our world now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can just see him walking around Barnes and Noble going, how many books do they have about me? I mean, even going through, you know, some Christian magazine, he's like, they're they way off. <laughs> I could just see Paul doing that. Yeah, but, yeah. Here's my fourth book, Remaking the World. That was the one that you mentioned, the 1776, how 1776 created the post-Christian West. I really enjoyed Andrew Wilson in the conversation too, but I I thoroughly enjoyed the book. Another one that we've not talked with the author on here, and I hope to do so in the future. It's a book that I had James Davison Hunter had recommended to me, but it's called Saving the Protestant Ethic. And it's by Andrew Lynn. I I, I love this book. I'm not done with it. But I like it because it gives this idea of how evangelicals have looked at economics and money. And I, and I find that fascinating because certain theological positions affect how we spend our money and how we go about working in society. And he, mm-hmm. he, he really develops that. And, and that also, I would tie that to Vishal Mangalwadi's work, uh, the book, The Major World. I, I would put that yeah. in there. Vishal is, is an interesting one. Uh, he was a very compelling interview. I don't completely agree with him on, on who you, things. Who but, do you ever completely agree well, with? Well, that's right. I, I only agree with myself 93% of the time. Um, uh, I had a professor say that to uh, to me once when I was in seminary and it stuck. And I was like, oh, oh that's so true. But I really appreciate where Vishal's coming from to look at how scripture influenced the way we are in the West. And I think he's absolutely right on that. I don't 
he he makes a, a high kind of break point between truth and story, which I don't do. I think that that's one of our Western problems is we do that. And I happen to think that story is the single most powerful thing that human beings do. So um, I think those two things go together. And this is from somebody who did his master's thesis on Generation X and truth. So truth is you're, a pretty big deal for me. That's uh, you're old man is what you uh, are. Generation X and truth, man. Come on. We've got Y and Z and alpha now. Yeah. Which betrays a uh, total lack of understanding of Y X in the beginning. Because it was for <laughs> unknown quantity, not the alphabet. <laughs> anyway. Let me get back to my my yes. list here. My my number two was yes. Timothy Keller by Colin Hansen. I really enjoyed that book. It made me cry. Not that Hansen, I think, was trying to do that, just because I really appreciated Keller's heart. And I find that we're trying to do a lot of what he did. Yeah. Some of the same setup, being a pastor, having a heart to reach unbelieving world, to be able to have a dialogue, to create a bridge that enables people to understand. And he did that. And what was remarkable to me is not only him going into the presence of the Lord this year, but seeing how many people mourned him after he died, yeah. not just believers, but unbelievers. And that, that, that I think is the, is a huge deal. One of the first things that I ever saw about Tim Keller, and it's been well over a decade ago, maybe 15 years or so, he did way back when Google used to do authors at Google where they would bring in authors and they would speak to employees there. And he did one and it was one of the best attended ones ever. And, and uh, of, of course the other best attended was like a sex therapist or something like that. And if, and Keller made some funny quips about that, that he wasn't sure quite how, how to take that, that he was in that, <laughs> that category. But but he was not only brilliant, he said his thing, he took questions, but he was also unapologetic about who he was and what he was about. And you had really, really smart people in the room asking him questions, right? And one of them, he was just like, well, look, that's this. And I'm a Christian pastor. I can't go there. That's no, that's not who I am. And he wasn't being condescending. He wasn't being belligerent. He was just like, this is who I am. And, but he did it in a very genuine and um, I would say ironic way that I, I really, really appreciated um, in, in his whole approach. And I th think it was pretty consistent uh, throughout his ministry. It was. It was. And the book was just so good to get behind the scenes look at him uh, about his brother who was gay and how his brother uh, came to faith. And I mean, just when his brother passed away, it was just sad. You just realized this isn't a man that was just talking to the air. This is yeah. a man who is who is really knee deep in in people's lives, in, in messy lives at that, and yet continued to exhibit grace and love and show the love of Jesus. And I, I really appreciated that. Yeah. Number number one for me was, and I'm not sure if it's, it's when it came out in December, it was a recent one. I had an opportunity to get a copy before it ever went to, uh, before it was released. And it was Jeff Hanen's book, Working from the Inside Out. I, I liked it because he had taken Leslie Newbegin and made him understandable to everyday people. 
and showed people like, you know, you spend 90% of your life at your workplace. And yet what we've done is instrumentalized it. What we do is we well, like, if it, your work is only good is if it really reaches people for Jesus, like you do evangelism. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Your, your work is good in and of itself. God made you to work and he wants you to do it well. And this is how he wants you to go about it. And I, and I found it just very practical, yet it was theological. And I was just thoroughly impressed with the book. And I've recommended it to several others since then. But mm. with, with books, uh, it also makes me think of episodes. And, you know, I've got like, I've got several episodes that stand out to me, several guests. And, and oftentimes we do these episodes in two parts because the interviews mm-hmm. are so long. Yeah. I'm curious, you've referred to some of the guests that we've had on this show. Who are the guests that, give me two or three of the guests that really just stuck out to you that you went, wow, that was cool. Well, so we, I've already identified three of them, which yeah. were um, Andrew Wilson, Russell Moore, and Christopher Watkin. All of them because of their books, those, those are fascinating conversations for different reasons. They stick out to me, but there were a couple of others and well, and Hannah nation, um, we interviewed Mm -hmm. her about the Chinese church, but a few others that sort of stood out to me as, uh, over the course of the year, one of whom was a book that I figured would be on your top 10. And that was Karen Swallow prior and her book on imagination. imagination. Yeah. I'm still kind of uh, that book has gotten a lot of press and a lot of people really love it. And I really appreciated the way she was coming at things. It's one of those that still makes me think and Mm. and I'm not always sure what to do with it. But I find that those are the ones that compel me the most over time. Sam George, way back in the in the beginning oh, of yeah. the year, I yes. loved when when you asked him about how you know how did you come to faith? How long has your family been a Christian? And, and he's like, well, since at least the 12th century. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I can't even trace my my family to like much past the 18th century. So um, that that just kind of was like, there you go. Um, that was fantastic. And again, helping people to to see and understand faith from a different set of eyes. Um, and we've done that several different ways over the course of this last year. And I really appreciated that. But and you mentioned Mike Goheen. Bruce Walke was another one on how to read the Psalms. And you've got this scholar who's what, almost 90 or 90? Um, yeah, 93. 93. And he's been doing this forever and he's so committed to what he's done. But his statement at the end, which was a huge reminder of, I wish I had been a better father. And that, that just was sort of one of those moments for me that was like, okay, I can get all this stuff and I can, and I can be useful to a lot of people, but my backyard really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, my family, my, my neighbors. And then the final one that I would, that really kind of struck me was the Kevin Van Hooser interview and how our faith is, and theology is not simply something we believe in our heads, but it is, uh, the scriptures are a script to be performed and not like as in an actor, but as in, this is the story we're in and you have to live it. Uh, do you remember the movie, uh, Will Ferrell, Stranger Than Fiction. No, I never saw that one. 
So it's this fascinating movie where this guy, he's like a tax account, uh, an IRS agent, right? And doing, doing stuff. And suddenly he hears a voice narrating the things that he's doing. And he finds out he's, he's in a story, right? That somebody is writing. And so he goes to the literature professor and he's like, well, you got to find out, are you in a comedy or a tragedy? Right. You know, are you going to die at the end or does everything go well? And everything about it was was this kind of surreal comedic thing about how he's in this story that's happening all around him. And in a strange way, what Van Hooser was talking about in a, in a non-comedic sort of way is that, that we are actors in the story of God. And, mm. um, and that's part of belief is and getting our theology right. And all of those things is not just this thing in our minds or, okay, I can check that box, but it's how do I live? Mm -hmm. And that has really kind of resonated with me and it been in the back of my mind as I've been thinking a lot about a lot of things over the course of this year. And, and what does that mean? And what does that look like for us? And how do we live that out in, in following God's mission? And that's, that's exactly what we've been trying to figure out. How do you do that in this really post-Christian culture in which we find ourselves? Yes. Because the methods that many of us have developed over time, the cultural topography is shifted. And so it doesn't mean that the message has changed, but how we connect to people, I think, does, especially as more people are more and more isolated. They're less trusting of what you say. They're more trusting of what you do and how you show it. Going back, though, as you were mentioning, you know, what are the, the guests that stuck out? I mean, of course, like with me, I there's so many that I enjoyed talking to. Some were just honored that they came on the show, like Russell Moore, I mean, in Hannah Nation. But the ones that stuck out just to me, and maybe it's because of just where I was at, but of course, Goheen, which we've already talked about. I, I particularly enjoyed Nancy Piercy on the Toxic mm -hmm. War on Masculinity. I, I yeah. really enjoyed that. Uh, those two episodes, once you see the the Jeff Christopherson episodes that I mentioned before, just because he had a lot of great one-liners in there, I think for people that were good that you could take away with. The guy though that impressed me, I mean, two two really stuck out to me. One was I I read the book, but not completely. It, it's heady, and that's that's Christopher Watkins' book. Yeah. Um, what got me though about him was just his humility. Like I absolutely. There's a lot of godly people that come on the show. Mm -hmm. He stuck out to me for the humility of how God was using him, the care, concern. He just, you can tell he has a real pastoral heart. Um, yeah. You know, I've heard several different interviews with him over this last year, and that came through in every single one of them. Wow. And, and to me, that's not practice. That's, that's real. That's, that's, real. that's who he is. But, you know, out of all the interviews we've done um, and the conversations we've had, one that stuck out to me was a kind of an odd one in that I knew getting into it, it was going to be a very interesting conversation. I didn't know how it was going to affect people. And I had people tell me after the, they listened to the conversation, they, they, they wept. And that was Malcolm Geit. That's what I thought um, you were going to say. Yeah. Geit First of all, he shows up with a pint and a bite conversation, <laughs> which it yeah, was, that's it never was, happened before. No, not on the show. It's never happened. But, you know, I really did enjoy talking with him. His insights into the imagination were phenomenal. I mean, that was the first time I've ever interviewed a priest poet before. 
Um, unless you count Mike, Michael Card, you know, somewhere in there. But I, I just thought his insight into the imagination, how we use the imagination to build bridges for the gospel was so insightful and it touching at the same time. It really was the the thing that strikes me from that conversation, um, and it, and it just came to me as you were saying that is I remember him telling a story that like when I came back and after I listened to the interview and I was working on some things with it, I had to pause it and I just sat there for about fifteen minutes, and that's when he talks about Moses and Elijah seeing God and Moses going up on Mount Sinai and Elijah going, you know, uh, to Mount Sinai after the prophets of Baal. And then he goes to, you know, the transfiguration and who's there, Moses and Elijah. And he asked the question that just so blew my mind. Well, what if it's the same time? What if the times that they were there is the time of the transfiguration? And what, what blew my mind about that was, I think it takes a poet to think that way, to say, wait a minute, mm-hmm. this is the God who created time. There's nothing saying that that couldn't be the case. He wasn't saying it is absolutely that this is when this happened, but it could have been. And it sort of, for me, was a reminder of how big God is and how small we are. And yet he invites us in. And that was just a remarkable moment. It was a remarkable moment and a, and a fantastic conversation. We have to have him back on the show. But I'm going to ask you this, though, because you, you haven't looked at this. Okay. Out, of, out of this year, okay, out of the guests that we had, do you think you can name the top five guests, like most oh. listened to episodes? And I'm, I'm going to put two of their episodes together because we did a lot of one part, two part. But I'm just going to focus on the guest. Can you, do you think you can name the top five listened episodes without looking it up? Ah. Uh. I don't think I can because what I have found one, I haven't looked at the, at the, um, the downloads in a little bit here. Um, but two, I have found over time that the ones that I think are going to be the big (laughs) ones are often not the big ones. And so I have stopped speculating. Uh, Um, I'm tempted to say that, Trevin Wax would be one of them. I really appreciate Trevin and his sort of uh, bringing deep theology to everyday people. I really appreciate that about him. So I would think he would probably be in that list of the top five. Maybe not. I would think that Russell Moore would be in there. And man, um, We've had so many. I'm trying to think. Just I'm so you know, back. half of those, none of those have made the top 10. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. See, I told you I'm not good at this. Oh, it's it's kind of funny. Well, I'm looking at the past year. So okay. um, what, like, what are the most listened to episodes over the past year? And I, I put in the data, you know, how the data spot that you put in from the January yeah. 1st through the 27th. We're recording this on the 27th. Um, of December and some of the episodes came from the end of December last year. So I'm going to count those just because they were the most listened to in 2023. So okay. number one and two, actually it's, it's, it's Marcus Horner on rare. Okay. Those, those are the top ones that together, I mean, they're actually one and two, but I'm just going to put Marcus in one Jim Wilder 
number two, escaping okay. enemy mode. And then your guy, Sam George, comes in at number three, which I, I think is pretty impressive, where God is on the move among dis- diaspora peoples. Then it's Kevin Van Hooser. He comes in after that. And then Geit, both of his episodes back-to-back. Then Hannah Nation. Karen Swallow Pryor after that. And then we move into Chris Corsi, the Joy Switch. And uh, then Christopher Watkin. And after that, it's Mark Knoll. And then Alan Yeh. And then it goes down to Van Hooser, Ant Snyder, Nancy Piercy, and then Mark Talbot, which was right at the beginning uh, of last year too. And as he talked about suffering, and I really did appreciate his books. Yes, yeah, yeah. He um, for people going through things. That's that's a really good resource. It is a great resource. And then, of course, one of the episodes that really got a lot of, um, and and, you know, you get into like one or two that separates them. but you get into uh, Jen Oshman and cultural counterfeits, and then uh, Vishal Mangawadi, probably our most controversial episode. Um, yeah, that's until we get uh, Pete on. Yes, Pete <laughs> will be pretty controversial, and then I think the one after that is going to be very controversial, and that is Albert Moeller. Uh, President Albert Moeller, Dr. Albert Moeller, uh, did a conversation with him, and I thoroughly appreciated for him uh, him coming on the show. And I will let you know that Pete and Al disagree. <laughs> yeah, they disagree, and um, it. I, I'm excited for people to hear that episode. I think I frustrated Dr. Moeller a little bit in the show. You might see that he gets visibly frustrated with me. I mean, nothing crazy bad. He was an excellent guest. He was so uh, he was patient um, with me and uh, it was our first time ever doing a show together. I do hope to be able to speak with him sometime in the near future, but uh, I'm excited for people to well, hear that episode. It's going to yeah, be. Yeah. And I think the fact that the two of them don't agree on everything is an important thing. I think sometimes we have to realize that, you know, as we're trying to figure out how do we live as Christians in a post-Christian world, not everybody's going to have the same approach to those things. And, yeah. and part of the process is hearing from different voices and then being able to, to really wrestle with the ideas that they have and say, okay, does this work or not? And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a really good thing to do. And mm-hmm. Um, we're not always going to agree, uh, on things and we need to hash those things out so that we can live faithfully in a strange new world. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. And to know that these men both love Jesus, but they have radically different ways of going about that in our culture. And we have to deal with the, the elephant in the room, unfortunately, and that's talking about politics. And I, I'm yeah. not saying we're going to talk about that now, but, you know, Pete, having been a speechwriter for m- um, multiple presidents, he's an insider to D.C. This is not a man that is removed. I mean, he's a senior fellow for the Trinity Forum. He's been a, uh, an op-ed contributor to The New York Times, The Atlantic, a speechwriter for, I want to say, was it Reagan and Bush one or Bush two? Well, he was he was on staff for Reagan and both Bushes where he was a speechwriter. I can't remember right yeah. off the top of my head. He was I like think an assistant speechwriter, right? I think so. I think it was one of the Bushes he was a speechwriter for. But this, so. this, this is a man that um, has a deep faith, but he is very upfront with his faith and putting a mirror up to evangelicals saying, are the means that you're employing 
is it really exhibiting and worthy of the message that you claim to represent? And so that is going to be a very good conversation. And, and the reason I invited him on the show, for one, I got to know Pete at um, in Charlottesville at a symposium. Uh, he and David Brooks, who's coming on the show, we're delighted to have him come on in the spring. But it was so good simply because you can't talk about the mission of God and fulfilling the mission of God today without talking about politics, because that is the first impression that most people have about who God is and what it means to be an evangelical. And so to to just skip over that and say it's not important or to say that we don't want to talk about politics is is really painting yourself in a corner because if you're not familiar with what people think and, and say and do, I'm not saying you have to agree with everyone, but I am saying is you need to be aware of what the people around you are thinking and how you're being perceived in some respect. And whether that's true or not, I don't know, but Choices have consequences and we are to be salt and light in the midst of this world. And sometimes in order to get the message out there, we, we adopt means and ways that are not exactly representative of Jesus. And we try to justify that in a variety of ways. And we could get into that, but that is for the conversation with Pete and with Al. Um, yeah. I just, I wanted to thank, it was good to have Kevin in and you got to see, you get to hear him today. You heard me refer to him oftentimes. He's behind the scenes. He's arguing with himself in the corner to see if he <laughs> yeah. agrees with himself as he's watching Connor Bedard just nail some crazy hockey goals because he's a big hockey guy. Kevin's a huge hockey guy. I, I am. I Hey, listen, the, the Blackhawks are the worst team in the NHL, but they're worth watching every night because of Connor Bedard. And if you don't know what a Michigan goal is in hockey, just... Google it. Google, Google Connor it. Bedard, I, I, Michigan, and I, it's nuts. I am not a hockey guy, but I saw that, and I thought that was totally amazing. That was just amazing to see. It, and what I love is. about the fact that you're a hockey person is not just that you're a hockey person, but your wife is a hockey person, even more so than you. Um, so my wife is from Brantford, Ontario, and the first time I went there, she told me, Brantford is the home of Wayne Gretzky, the Zamboni, and Alexander Graham Bell in that and uh, so the guy who invented the telephone comes in third right the very first date that we had uh maybe the second date we had was to a hockey game and i was like wow i thought i was intense at a hockey game no she was over the top Um, doesn't she get angry if there's a fight like she gets up and there's a fight no no (laughs) what what the rule is if she leaves the room for whatever reason and a fight happens i have to put the DVR on pause, the game on pause comes back. Um, oh. That's the that's the rule. Got so it. she, Got yeah, I, I, she's intense when it comes to hockey. She's um, intense. It's a blast. So. <laughs> My wife's like that when it comes to football, not hockey, but football. Anyway, I wanted to thank. Well, Loretta her loves her college football too. Oh. We'll have to talk about that another time. I, I want to thank everybody for listening yes. to the show, following along in 2023 and 2024. We have a lot of episodes coming your way with some very uh, important voices that need to be heard within evangelicalism, such as Pete Weiner, such as Albert Moeller, and then David Brooks, and as well as James Davison Hunter. You may not know who he is, but you know some of the terms that he has coined which are essential for knowing how to navigate this cultural minefield in which we find ourselves. I also wanted to remind you that we are close to meeting our end of the year goal. And again, the incentive is still in place and it will be in place until we get that first course out there for you. That beta course we're going to be testing in the first quarter. 
promo the Apollos Academy. But if you give a gift of $1,000 or more or sign up for $100 a month, then you will get the first class for free. And the first class will be, again, if it's either $100 to take it at your own pace or if you want to take it live with me, that'll be $150. And then after that, you would get 50% after of every single course that we will offer because we see this as the first of many, Lord willing, courses to help equip you in your your missionary encounter with Western culture, to help you be faithful, to help you water your faith so that you can water your world. I want to thank our Apollos Water team for helping us to water the world. This is Travis Michael Fleming and Kevin O'Brien signing off from 2023 from Apollos Water. See you next year, everybody. Thank you. Stay watered.